This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. From BBC Science Focus magazine, this is Instant Genius, a bite-sized masterclass in podcast form. I'm Amy Barrett, Editorial Assistant at BBC Science Focus, and today I'm talking to Dr. Kami Hoss, a dentist in the US and author of the new book, If Your Mouth Could Talk, an in-depth guide to oral health. Kami explains how to take care of our teeth, debunking myths about plaque, cavities, fluoride and more. So thank you for joining me here today. I'm really excited to uh, be reading your book and having the chance to talk to you about it. Maybe a, a straightforward question for our first one. What are teeth? Our mouths, obviously, we have a, a few things in, uh, that makes up our mouth, right? We have our jaws, the upper jaw and the lower jaw. Then inside the mouth, we have for baby teeth, we have 20 of them. And for adult teeth, there are 32 teeth that are really the, uh, the parts of the mouth that we use to chew and tear the food and grind the food down to the small amounts that we could swallow it. So the teeth are an important part of the mouth, but they're not the only part of the mouth. And that's actually unfortunate because a lot of people think of the mouth as just a collection of teeth. And they also think of teeth as these dead objects that they just need to be polished and cleaned from the outside. (laughs) So they're kind of alive instead? Yeah. So um, other than the outside part of the teeth, which is made out of uh, this, uh, these structures called these crystal structures called hydroxyapatite, the rest of the teeth are very much alive. You know, we have the second layer, which is called dentin, which is more similar to your bone. The, the outer layer, enamel, is really even harder than bone. It's the harder substance in your body. And then we have, of course, the inner layer, which we have nerves and blood vessels. So your teeth are very much alive. And just like any other structure in your body that's alive, it requires nutrients and it requires care and it requires the, you know, calcium and requires vitamins and minerals to grow healthy and to protect itself from the environment, the other harsh environment of the mouth. And that's really what's really, I think, missing from how we take care of our mouths today. You say the mouth is a harsh environment. Why is that? Yeah, so so in addition to your teeth, obviously we have you know the gum structure that cover the bones that protect your teeth to hold your teeth. They're called periodontium, and then we have a whole world of what we call the oral microbiome, which is a whole world of microbes in our body. Uh, some new studies show that we have more microbes in and on our bodies than we have human cells. Somewhere between three to five times more microbes in our bodies than we have human cells. So. The health and the balance of those microbes are critical to our oral health and our overall health. So in our mouth, for example, we have billions of microbes, you know, somewhere between five to 100 billion, depending on the oral health status of a person. And the health and the balance of those microbes could uh, determine the health of the mouth, you know, take it from and defend the mouth to be super healthy to all the way extreme of making it super unhealthy. And so when we think of the mouth, we should really think about the structures that form the mouth, which are the teeth and the gums and the bones, but also the oral microbiome. The microbiome, I believe, comes from, uh, or it sort of starts off from when we're born. Is that right? So we're born with microbes. And are they the ones we'll have for the rest of our lives? That's a great question. 
So a fetus doesn't have any microbes in the body. Uh, they get introduced as the startup pack of microbes as they go through the birth canal during birth. So that's their first exposure to microbes. The vaginal microbiome is actually evolved to be the perfect starter kit for that baby. And then the baby is ex expo exposed to more microbes during breastfeeding and just touching with mom and dad and siblings and all the other caregivers. So uh, the, the baby's microbiome, which starts in the mouth, and then as you swallow, uh, it starts feeding and seeding the microbes in the gut. And then they all develop their, their own ecosystem. So the mouth develops and has their own microbiome mix. The gut has it. Even in the mouth, different parts of the mouth have different microbiome, you know, microhabitats. And then, of course, older, as a baby gets older, within the first two or three years, that microbiome starts evolving and maturing. So those first few years, the oral health of that baby and the oral health of all the caregivers is critical to the health of the mouth of that baby, but also eventually the overall health of that child. When you're saying oral health, what kind of, how can you define that for us? Okay. So when, you know, oral health is when you have a, uh, when you have a mouth that the microbiomes and the microbes in the mouth, they're in a balanced state in like, just like any ecosystem out in the, you know, if you, there's a forest, you know, there's a balance between animals and insects and plants. And so when there's a harmony and balance, everybody's happy. But when there's a disharmony and there's an imbalance, then things get out of whack. And then in the mouth is the same thing. We go from oral health when everything's in homeostasis, which is a really balanced, healthy state. You don't have any cavities. There's no gum disease. The good bacteria, quote unquote, in the mouth, defend your mouth and your body from the bad bacteria. And, uh, but, but then when there's an imbalance, for example, a lot of people in today, they use very overzealously, they use harsh oral care products. And for example, they use a mouthwash that kills 99.99% of the germs, which basically is like the most potent antibiotic there is. And uh, so imagine if I gave you, I said, hey, here's, this is, I, I found a solution to be super healthy. Just take these two antibiotics every day. It kills 99% of your microbes every day and you're going to stay healthy, not going to catch a disease. You would probably say, well, you're crazy, Kami, right? But we do the same thing for our mouth and we just don't think about it twice. I literally know people that take those mouthwashes that kill 99.9% of the germs on one hand, and then they also take probiotics for the mouth. And when I ask them, they're like, I don't know, I just saw the ad for this mouthwash, so I thought this is a good thing, and then I, I kind of heard that probiotics is also good for you. So they literally take microbes on one hand, and then they take antibiotics on the other hand. So really, the oral healthcare, unfortunately, in our society right now is a mess, and um, it's it's very obvious because... The number one disease right now in the world is dental disease, you know, gum disease and cavities and other world diseases, but primarily cavities and um, which we call dental caries, which is the disease that causes the cavities. It's a number one chronic disease in children. It's much, much more uh, common than, you know, things like diabetes and asthma and things like that. So it's a really serious disease because I think the misconception to many people is that, hey, what's the big deal? I get a cavity, there's a hole in the tooth and the dentist can fill it. But a cavity is a symptom. It's not, it's not just something that uh, the dentist can just fill, which is really, even think about it, it's a very archaic way of uh, be, you know, providing healthcare. You know, we take out a piece of the body and then we fill it with something and that piece will never grow back again, right? But uh, I really, uh, what I want the listeners to think about the mouth is when you get a cavity, that means that there's an imbalance in the oral microbiome, which means there's an imbalance in your gut microbiome, which can impact really, it's linked your oral health is linked to so many diseases and so many chronic problems. 
And so we should really take our oral health in a much, much more serious way. Mm, absolutely. And we'll kind of go into a bit more depth into that a bit later. But I wanted to kind of pick up on, you mentioned mouthwash, which is actually something I regularly do. Um, so we'll be definitely changing that. But can you kind of guide us to how we should be cleaning our mouths? Yes, I'll be very happy to do that. By the way, when I say mouthwash, I meant antiseptic mouthwash is bad. So right. mouthwash, it's like it's like... If you ask me, hey, call me, Dr. House, if is mouthwash good or bad? It's like asking, is food good or bad? We have <laughs> good food and bad food, right? There are f- food that are excellent and they're very healthy. And obviously we need food to survive and we need the nutrients from the food. And there are food that are terrible, makes us sick and makes us age faster and, you know, develop chronic diseases and all sorts of things, right? And it's the same thing with oral care products. There are products that are excellent and we do need to take care of our mouths, but then the products that are terrible... And the, the, really the result is that we have a terrible oral health as a society to, in today. In fact, uh, over the last 30 years, not only oral health has not gotten better, it's gotten worse right now. And U.S. and U.K. numbers, by the way, are the statistically are very similar. You know, So when I say these numbers, you know, it could be a little bit off when it comes to U.K. numbers, but are, they're very, very similar. Uh, about 50%, 50% of people over age 30 have gum disease. Half of people, 70% of people over age 65 have gum disease. If oral care products were working, we wouldn't be in this particular shape, right? So to answer your question, let me kind of back up a little bit. So how do we take care of our mouths? Well, let me talk about how we take care of it today, right? We, the typical person, you know, gets up and, uh, you know, has a, has a coffee in the morning and has a juice and some bagel or bread and eggs and whatever it is. There's a lot of acidic foods and usually in our foods. And then right after that, they go brush their teeth and they use a, you know, a a random toothpaste. You know, there's like two camps right now. You're in the camp of fluoride and you think fluoride is the best thing. And because dentists recommend it and everybody recommend it. And then there's this other group that has heard from, you know, they either see it on social media or their friend says, you know, fluoride is toxic. Fluoride is the worst thing in the world. They should never use it. So you're kind of in these two camps right now. And you, the, your decision is not based on science or facts or studies. It's most basically on these positions that people take, you know, unfortunately, without having any backup from a scientific perspective. So let's just say you use a fluoride or a non-fluoride, you know. If, and if it's non-fluoride, you don't even know what's in it. You just say, you know, grab something that says natural on the tube. And, you know, it must be good, right? Because it says natural. Now, if I ask that person, well, what's in that tube? Is it good for your teeth? What does it do? Uh, they're like, nobody knows. Because uh, to your surprise, I mean, I, when I say this, people really, they get shocked. You would think that dentists would know what's in a toothpaste, but we don't. That's not what we get educated with. When we go to dental school, we learn about how to drill cavities and we fill them, right? And how to straighten teeth and put braces on. We don't know what's in a toothpaste. Maybe we've had, you know, an hour of class just go through these like, hey, this provides foam. But we have really, I have a group dental practice filled with world-class pediatric dentists, orthodontists, general dentists. And I've asked, and I'm on the board of UCLA Dental School. And I've asked, you know, dozens of experts in oral care. And I say, what's in your toothpaste? And they're like, I don't know, fluoride? I'm like, what is it in the fluoride? I don't know. What does the fluoride do? I really don't know, Kami. And so there's this, unfortunately, lack of education and information about what's in our toothpaste. So again, going back to that story, so you have your breakfast and then you think, well, I need to brush my teeth to get the food out of my teeth. So you go brush your teeth with this random toothpaste. 
And then you're like, well, I need to have a fresh mouth. So I, you know, I've seen this ad on TV that you need to, you know, as, even though you hate the taste and it can barely keep it in your mouth, let me switch this for like 30 seconds and a minute. And because it has this strong mint flavor, uh, obviously my mouth is at least going to smell minty for like 30 minutes or an hour before it gets dry again. And then I have to do, use it again. Right. That's the typically what people currently do. And and flossing, maybe if I'm going to see my dentist in the next week, maybe I'll start flossing a little bit. Uh, I got to tell you, when I ask my fr- dentist friends, they tell me flossing is the number one subject that their patients, uh, you know, exaggerate or you know lie about <laughs> when they ask them about it. But anyway, so how it should be done though is for, is this: uh, when you wake up in the morning, the plaque is built up overnight. And by the way, plaque in itself is not a bad thing. Plaque. You know, again, it's just it's just the way the oral microbes stick to your teeth, and we do want to keep it at a very thin, healthy, uh, odorless, clear layer of it. So we don't want to disinfect it with these really harsh antiseptic mouthwashes or antibacterial toothpaste, because again, we're just trying to keep it clean. So let me kind of uh, uh, I'm going to give you a little analogy before I explain how the to the process of the way you should take care of your mouth, which I think is going to clear things for you and your listeners. So think of your mouth as a garden and your oral microbiome as the beautiful flowers and the vegetation and the plants in the garden. Okay. So how do you take care of your garden? Well, you usually probably trim it, right? To make sure it gets the sun where it needs to, and you water it and you give the nutrients to the soil, right? Yeah. Pull out a few weeds here and there. Yeah. Okay. That's perfect. If there's a weed here and it grows, what do you do? You Do you pour acid all over your garden or you just take out those weeds selectively? Yeah. Just pull them out. Yeah. Yeah. You just pull them out. If there's a disease on a particular plant, you don't kill all of your you know plants, right? You just take care of that one diseased plant. But we don't do that in our mouth, right? Even in healthy people, when they have no oral diseases, they still disinfect. They think they need to scrub and disinfect the mouth because that's what we're told. But as you can see at the result, because 70% of people have gum disease, that means that what we're currently doing is not working. So how do we take care of it? Well, if this was a garden, you would, you know, you would, the trimming of the branches, it's kind of like brushing and flossing. You want to keep the plaque at a low level. You don't want to completely get rid of all the plaque because your plaque, actually, the bacteria in the mouth, when they're healthy, balanced position, they actually help with remineralization of your teeth, which I'll explain later. And so, and they help to keep you healthy from all sorts of ways. And they help you have a fresh breath. And they're, you know, the microbes in the mouth start the process of making uh, uh, the, uh, reducing the nitrate into nitric oxide, which is a miraculous molecule in our body that helps with, with our blood vessels to dilate. And so that it's a, it's a, it's an, in, it's an incredible thing that our microbiome is, uh, has evolved alongside us and it helps us in all sorts of things, but we can get to that in a, in a bit, in a bit. Let me back up a little bit about how we take care of the mouth. So keep that analogy of the garden as I'm kind of going through this. So you wake up in the morning I would use a, instead of using an antiseptic mouthwash, you can use an alkaline mouthwash that actually restores the pH. One thing that we didn't talk about is the pH of the mouth. So let me kind of explain how critical this is. Um, Your mouth is normally neutral around a 7 pH. By the way, pH is just for those listeners who want a little bit more information, is a measurement that we use to measure the acidity or alkalinity of a solution. Okay. 7 is neutral. And as you get closer to 1, it's very acidic. And it gets closer to 14, it's very alkaline. So seven's usually like water, right? That's right, exactly. Now, wh- and, and that means like natural water. 
Even bottled waters, unfortunately, these are a lot acidic. And, you, and it's an easy way to check that. You can get a pH strip and you can check, check your solutions, you know, your juices or drinks that you drink, including the bottled waters. Uh, there are some bottled waters that are specifically alkaline. I prefer a, either a pH balanced water or slightly alkaline water. And I re- prefer the same thing with your oral care products because the way you get cavities or you get oral diseases is when that pH becomes acidic. So how, does you, how do you get a cavity? Before I kind of explain how you should be taking care of it. The way you get cavity is your mouth, again, it's at neutral around pH 7. Just about every time you put food in your mouth or a drink, your pH of the mouth drops to below 5.5 pH approximately because it becomes acidic uh, for two reasons. One is the enzymes that the mouth produces to start digesting the food and from the foods themselves. Once the acidity level reaches about 5.5, remember I said the enamel is made out of this crystal called hydroxyapatite? Some of that small amounts of that hydroxyapatite mineral start dissolving away from the enamel in that acidic environment. Also, as the mouth becomes more acidic, the bacteria that love acid, which are quote-unquote the bad bacteria, they're the ones who thrive in that environment. And what do they do? They eat that food, you know, let's just say sugar, it's like simple carbohydrates, and they excrete more acid. And so that creates this cycle of acidic environment in the mouth. And so anything below 5.5, something happens, we call demineralization of the teeth, which means these hydroxyapatite crystals start dissolving away from the teeth into the saliva. And then when you stop eating, within 30 minutes or an hour, then the saliva bathes the teeth back with these minerals and it, it raises the pH back to neutral. And then these minerals get absorbed back into the teeth. And as long as there's a balance and you don't eat a lot of bad food and you don't eat too frequently, there's a balance between this demineralization and remineralization and you don't get a cavity. However, if you do, if you eat a lot of bad foods, you know, you know, again, bad foods means sugar and processed foods and simple carbohydrates and all those types and acidic foods. Uh, or if you do these too frequently, when there's, there's more demineralization and remineralization and you get these holes in the teeth called cavities, that's how cavities form. And so, um, what, and, and by the way, it's not just what's in the, uh, in the t- uh, food, it's what's also missing the, in the food that's really critical for oral health. For example, as I said, we need nutrients for our mouth to grow healthy, for our teeth to protect themselves in, against this acidic, harsh environment. And for example, you need calcium and vitamin D and vitamin K2 and vitamin A, and we can discuss that later. So going back to that uh, routine of morning routine. Again, you want to get up in the morning, you want to restore your pH. So I would use an alkaline mouthwash to kind of get loosen the food particles and the plaque that's in your mouth. And then I would recommend using a floss first to, uh, to, to clean between teeth. And again, floss has to be, make sure it's a safe floss. You know, some flosses, unfortunately, are made out of ingredients that, uh, or products or, uh, you know, the flosses themselves, or they have waxes that are petroleum-based or they have Teflon. And so you need to check those to make sure there have been studies that show that people that use those types of flosses, they have higher amounts of uh, some toxicities in their blood. But there are a lot of safe, you know, flosses. Uh, I want to make sure that everybody knows there's flosses, you know, that are either nylon or, you know, silk, and they're perfectly, and they, you can use beeswax, wax, which is very, very healthy to use. So use floss then. Then you want to use a tongue scraper to make sure your tongue is clean because that's also a source of a lot of microbes that can cause bad breath and they can even interfere with taste. And then you want to brush your teeth with uh, a toothpaste that's, again, it's uh, you know slightly alkaline 
and it has safe and effective ingredients. And those are two different things, right? They need to be completely safe, but they also need to be completely effective because otherwise you're wasting your resources and money and it could be actually causing you more harm and good. So that would be the sequence of how you should be taking your mouth in the morning. So you brush your teeth at the end, you do all those things and then you brush your teeth. Yeah, because what you do, you want to get the plaque away from your teeth first and, and your tongue and then get the nutrients from the toothpaste to do its magic. The toothpaste that, toothpaste that I like to use have, have a few ingredients that I, that I love. One, it's, instead of using an antiseptic oral care product, I prefer to use what nature usually provides, which is prebiotics. So prebiotics is uh, is a comp- it would be nutrients that feed the good bacteria you know the helpful microbes and starve the harmful ones and that's really what the way nature does it in fact when a baby is born in uh, in breast milk the third most common ingredient is this thing called hmo and for years we knew that the babies can't digest it but we didn't know why it's there if it's such a huge abundance of this in breast milk. And now we know it's food for microbes. It's actually prebiotics. So even breast milk, which is the most perfect food for babies, is designed to not only feed the the cells of the baby, but to feed the microbes to make sure that that baby has healthy microbes as this microbiome is evolving and maturing. And so you said a kind of a things that nature gave us. So is that do you go for more of the those natural uh, toothpaste products as opposed to the ones with fluoride in, or do we not need to That's worry about any of that? Excellent question. Um, I wouldn't really. I do use fluoride sometimes. I do recommend it. I should say for some patients. But let me kind of explain to you. That's a great question because I think there's this misconception that just because a product says natural on it, it must be good. But it's not. It's, in fact, I find that more and more natural products are not only not safe because they just remove some toxic ingredients and replace it by other things that should not be in the mouth, but they're also not effective in helping to have a healthy mouth. Let me give you an example. Many natural toothpaste, they just take out the fluoride and they put essential oils. Essential oils don't belong in the mouth. The most common essential oils that I've seen is like peppermint oil or eucalyptus or tea tree oil in the mouth. They not only can decimate the oral microbiome. They're very important antibacterial ingredients, but they can also have much, much more, even more dangerous. For example, peppermint oil should never, ever be used in young children because it can cause airway issues and really life-threatening breathing problems. And so essential oils really don't belong in the mouth. Now, there are a lot of other ingredients that are absolutely amazing. I mentioned prebiotics as one. Uh, Xylitol and erythritol are these what we call sugar alcohols, but they're, they, but I, this is a terrible name because there's no sugar in it and there's no alcohol in it. Uh, but what they do, they do a couple of things. They raise the pH of the mouth. So that's a, as I said, that's one thing that it, they do to help uh, uh, the mouth to stay healthy. But they also uh, act as prebiotics. They, they feed, uh, for example, the xylitol, the bacteria in the mouth digests the xylitol and doesn't have room to take up the regular sugar and is effectively starved to death. So those are some of the ingredients that I love in oral care products. Another product that I love to use in oral care products that's been a standard, a gold standard in Japan for 30 years, and it was approved in Canada in 2015 as an as a anti-cavity ingredient, is called hydroxyapatite. Remember the hydroxyapatite that I mentioned that is actually 97% of your enamel is made out of? 
So they formed synthetic version of it. It was actually invented by NASA in 1970s. So it's been around for 50 years. It's been ex, you know, extensively tested and it's shown uh, that it could remineralize the teeth. Now in US, uh, the only anti-cavity ingredient that FDA has approved is, is uh, fluoride and there are a couple of different fluoride compounds. And I, I'm going to explain fluoride in just a minute. And uh, I think it's probably the same thing in UK. But um, but for, for those people who don't want to use a fluoride product, and there's a reason for it, and I can explain why I would recommend fluoride versus in what situations I would recommend and what situations I wouldn't. But uh, for those people who don't like fluoride or they don't want to take it, uh, hydroxyapatite is a really a viable option for those you know for those fluoride free products. Going on to the fluoride side because this is such a controversy, and I want to definitely discuss that so your listeners can be educated about what is about fluoride, you know, that there's such a big controversy. If it's, if it's good, you know, which dentists say, and FDA says, first of all, why is there such a controversy? And if it's bad, why do all the dentists recommend it or a lot of the dentists recommend it? So let's talk about it. Remember, if, if fluoride was a perfect ingredient, it, there wouldn't be any controversy, right? And if it was terrible, we wouldn't be using it either. So it, just like everything else, it has pros and it has cons. There's there's a few things about fluoride which is wonderful, and there are a few things that you need to watch out for. So fluoride, it definitely uh, what the way it works. By the way, just so you know, when you, do you remember it, that demineralization stage when the pH gets reduced to about five point five, a few of those, a little bit of the hydroxyapatite in the enamel gets dissolved away during the process that will be called demineralization. In the presence of fluoride, those minerals bond with fluoride and form a new uh, mineral called fluorapatite. So and then when the fluorapatite gets back absorbed into the teeth, when the pH gets raised, fluorapatite doesn't get dissolved until the pH raise, uh, reaches 4.5 instead of 5.5. So it's more resistant to acid attacks. And that's why fluoride makes your teeth stronger. Now, why all the controversy? Because when you... In, uh, take too much fluoride, especially when, you, when there's a young child involved. So the younger the child is, because there are a couple of things. One is they ingested more, you know, if you use toothpaste in a, that has fluoride, just kids when they're younger, they don't have their reflexes in their swallowing reflexes matured enough and they swallow more toothpaste and mouthwash. That's why in US, we don't recommend, and I'm sure it's the same thing in the UK, we don't recommend any fluoride mouthwash for kids under age six. For typically, uh, and if they ingest too much, like let's just say there's a water fluoridation in your area, or you just are using too much fluoride in your toothpaste and in oral care products, there is something we call dental fluorosis, which is discoloration and abnormal development of the enamel, which has become extremely common in our society. And so extremely common. I mean, some numbers are saying about half of the kids are uh, in the population now have some degree of fluorosis. And so, and also some studies that suggest that too much fluoride can cause toxicity and neurotoxicities in the bodies. And so the way I look at fluoride is if you're an older person and you're at a higher risk, you know, let's just say you get a ton of cavities and you have a daily soda habit. Yes, fluoride is right for you. But if you're a younger child, you know, you're a two-year-old or a three-year-old and don't have access to a lot of acidic foods or sugary foods, and you have a lower risk of getting cavities, I would not recommend fluoride for those patients because of all these risks. But for, you know, someone like you or I, we probably don't have that kind of same level of risk. That's correct. And But again, I would really look at it on those two things, age and risk. The younger you are and the lower risk you have for cavities, 
I would re- recommend you use hydroxyapatite instead of fluoride. And uh, the older you are and the higher risk for cavities, I would recommend adding fluoride to that mix. By the way, these are not mutually exclusive ingredients. You can have a product that has fluoride and hydroxyapatite in it which, because they work very differently. Hydroxyapatite, or especially specifically nanohydroxyapatite. So there are two versions of hydroxyapatite. Um, there's a nano version and there's a micro version. The nano ones mimic the enamel even further. And so they could, some of the studies show that in addition to remineralization, they can help with dental sensitivity, you know, because they kind of really fill, fill in the nooks and crannies of enamel and dentin. And they can even naturally whiten teeth over time and, you know, kind of slightly reverse the aging process that happens or the damage that the teeth have from bleaching agents. You mentioned uh, flossing. And I wanted to ask about a trying to floss on a daily basis is very difficult. Um, But also, he mentioned some of the different types of string you can get, but there are a lot of water flossers now. Is that something that can be used in place? Are they easier to use, better, worse? Any floss is better than no floss. Let's start from there. So if you absolutely hate the floss, which I completely understand, I mean, as I said, that's like the number one area that I always have to talk to people. And people just hate flossing. It's not a secret. You know, we all know it. Dentists know it. Um, and, and why should they like it? You know, those, the typical over-the-counter floss is terrible. You know, you have to run it, wrap it around your finger and it's so, it, it almost cuts your, and it completely stops the blood flowing from your, through your fingers, right? Um, and then when you want to floss, especially if you don't floss often and, and use a low quality floss, it snaps between your teeth and then makes your gums bleed. By the way, bleeding gums are, is not normal. So if you get, if your gums bleed during brushing and flossing, you either have gum disease and you need to get it checked, which could be very serious, or you have harsh oral care products. You know, it's the floss or the toothbrush is terrible. You know, uh, toothbrush needs to be soft bristles or ultra soft bristles and a floss has to be high quality. So everything you put in your mouth or, or the mouth of, or the mouths of your children have to be incredibly of high quality. Remember, I, I, again, if we put, we listen, we review, you know, what's on a label of a food, we want an organic food or get the foods that are healthy and vegetables, but we don't even think twice about what we put in our mouths twice a day, you know, the oral care product. So we should spending a lot of time and energy educating ourselves about what's in our toothpaste, what's in our mouthwash, how are the bristles made, how, how is the, to- the to- a floss made, is it safe, is it effective? Again, those two things are critical. Uh, they have to be safe, but they also need to be effective. Back to your question on the flossing, yeah, there. I mean, there are uh, lots of flosses out there that are fantastic, you know, that uh, there are these flosses that kind of soft and they expand when you put them between the teeth and they, clean, uh, they remove the plaque even more efficiently you want to make sure that they, they, they could be make, made out of silk, nylon, or polyester. Those are all great materials. The materials that I would not recommend, Teflon is a brand name by PTFE, PFOA, PFAS. You know, these are uh, ingredients that are potentially toxic to the body. Wax, uh, you want to make sure that uh, it's beeswax, which, you know, if, if you don't, if you're comfortable doing it without wax, it's perfectly fine. And if you do want to have a wax, you know, beeswax is one of my favorite waxes, which is very healthy. I wouldn't, I would definitely make sure that you don't have a petroleum based wax, which is very common. And then of course you want to make sure that in all of your oral care products, the flavors and the colors all, you know, if there's a flavor, it must be natural because we don't want to have artificial colors and flavors, which could cause other problems in our health as well. One other thing on the floss, uh, cause you asked me, so so there, I would, I would, or, I would categorize floss in three groups. One is the the floss that you wrap around your fingers, right? It's like the traditional floss, 
And again, those are the ones that uh, you could you know, make sure that are safe and effective. Uh, there's a second group which are called flossers. Flossers are those, those, those flosses with a handle, right? That uh, people who have difficulty using a regular floss, they're the, these disposable floss flossers that, uh, they, they, yeah, they come with a handle and then there's a little bit of piece of floss. Now, those are perfect for people who usually can't use a floss or they don't have the dexterity or for younger children. I prefer the original floss because you can use a cleaner part of the floss for every contact area. But again, because any flossing is better than no flossing, flossers are my second best choice. And my last choice, if those two don't work for you, is the water flosser. And the water flosser is better than no flossing, but it's not as good as regular flossing because it really doesn't get in between the teeth, right? It, it does try to, you know, squirt the, and with the pressure of the water, get the plaque and the food particles away from your teeth, but it really doesn't get in those really hard to reach areas that a regular floss can get. So, but if you, if that's what you like and you just hate flossing and it's, it's the choice of water floss and no floss, please use the water floss. So I've also heard that you, know, you could eat an apple after having some food and that will do quite a bit of the job that flossing would normally do. When you eat food, including apple, but really any food, but apple is a good example. It does cleanse the teeth as you're chewing, right? Because it's just kind of rubbing against the teeth and it's cleansing it. It doesn't replace the part of the floss, but it could actually replace a little bit part of the toothbrushing itself because it's literally... Uh, you know, rubbing against your teeth. And that's why if you say, hey, Dr. Haas, if you had to pick brush or floss, which would be your first choice? I would pick floss. Because just like you mentioned, when we eat just with food, our teeth are getting cleansed. It's the areas between the teeth that's really hard to get to. And that's why I would use the floss first. And another reason why I would floss, say floss first is because if I if you floss, then you're likely going to brush anyways. <laughs> if I just tell you brushing, you're probably not going to fuss. <laughs> so finally for this episode, because we'll talk a lot more about these things in uh, the second episode, but if there were kind of three pieces of advice you wanted to give to uh, a listener as to how to kind of better treat their mouth, um, what would your three things be? So my three pieces of advice to people about how to take care of their mouth is one, please think of your mouth as part of your body, right? The mouth is not a separate entity. How you treat your mouth will impact everything else in your body as well. And the second thing is make sure you keep your dental visits, but that's only twice a year. So how you take care of your mouth, the other 363 days out of the year is also incredibly important. And that's my third advice. Make sure that you use oral care products that are safe, effective, and they work together and complement each other to make sure that you have a healthy mouth. Thank you for listening to this episode of Instant Genius. That was Dr. Kami Haas. If you want to know more about oral health, check out Kami's new book, If Your Mouth Could Talk. Or to hear him tell me more about dentistry and the state of our mouths, head over to Instant Genius Extra, available only on Apple Podcasts. And for more science and tech stories, check out the latest issue of BBC Science Focus magazine. Pick up a copy in store or visit sciencefocus.com. 